I proceeded over London Bridge, where no spectators were allowed, only troops, and then along the Borough Road, where there is a very poor population, but just as enthusiastic and orderly as elsewhere. Oh, I love it when the poor people can keep their crap together and behave. Welcome to McBurdo's Expedition into the Unknown and Terrible. We have been stuck here in the ice for an eternity. Come into the captain's cabin and warm yourself before you head back out onto the decks. Welcome to my cabin. How long have we been trapped in this infernal ice pack? Or in the summer, tropical estuary. Writers can embellish on a story that they've heard, but hearing the words of someone who actually witnessed an event, sometimes shocking, always amazing. I have not read this before, so we're going to experience it together. I'm going to break in with my opinions. Chances are, as you are a crew member of the HMS Miser, you are not easily upset by the dark and terrible. I will warn you now that these may not have the most politically acceptable ideas or language because they come from the past and things were different then. Hello everybody! Rothgar the giant snow beast and I are here to tell you a new story. And you might have lipstick on because I might have given him a kiss without thinking. Because <sighs> that's what happens when you have an adorable snow beast. You kiss you. So today we are going to look uh, Russell Thorndike's uh, book from Children of the Garter from 1937 and it's an extract of his diary from when he was a choir boy at Windsor during the Diamond Jubilee in 1897 of Queen Victoria. And having just gone through a jubilee, it's kind of cool, isn't it, On the 22nd of June, Tuesday, we got up very early and started from Windsor at 5.45 a.m., arriving... <laughs> you done? Is that as much of the story as you can handle? Arriving in London about 7 o'clock. Then we went from Waterloo to St. Paul's Cathedral. Then, while we were waiting to get in, we sat on a stone near the railings and watched the men walking about in their robes and uniforms. Then we got to the lawn around St. Paul's and we went and got our food, which we had left there the day before when we went to the rehearsal. The rehearsals were on the 18th and 21st. Are you done? Okay, we're done. <laughs> Then we went down into St. Paul's Crypt and we ate a few sandwiches. Then we went up and had some lemon squash mixed with water from a tap. I remember how we wondered if the water was all right as it seemed to spring up from the graves in the churchyard. Then, after looking round the cathedral, which was very jolly, we descended into the crypt again and put on our surplices. Then up again and we sat in the nave watching the bishops and archbishops of all countries and the gentlemen of the Queen's bodyguard carrying their axes studded all over with jewels. 
can you imagine being a little kid watching that? I mean, it's like any of the royal weddings or the coronation. You know, as a little kid, that just must be magical and all the pieces of it just like... One of them gave me his to hold and went away for some time, and I began to wonder what I could do with it if he didn't come back. It would have looked very funny for a choir boy to carry such a weapon. He happened to come back just as we were ordered to go into our places on the steps, and I was asking Mr. Kempton, one of our bases, what on earth I should do with it, so he was only just in time. Oh, it was a sight that we saw. The roads were all lined with jack tars and soldiers. All the British troops were there, I should think. There were, besides, lots of soldiers of all regiments to play the band. Now, I must tell you of some things that struck me about it all. The Queen was dressed in black silk with silver on it. She had a black bonnet made of lace trimmed with white flowers with an aigret of diamonds. She carried a white lace sunshade, and she had a fan. Her parasol was up. Her horses looked exactly like a circus. Lord Roberts looked very well on his famous Arabian steed. It just, I don't know, seems so glittering. All the princes looked very well on their chargers. The queen looked very well indeed and ever so happy. Everybody looked very well. On the other hand, lots of people fainted in the crowds. It really just uh, comes across like a little kid, like just like, and then I saw this, and the queen looked really good, and then we had so much fun, and then some people fainted. The Te Deum was most exciting and made a grand noise with all the bands and the great choir. Sir George Martin conducted, and all the people joined in the singing of the Old Hundredth and God Save the Queen. After the national anthem, the Archbishop of Canterbury called out, Three cheers for the Queen! After all this, the procession moved away and left us in peace to eat our dinner on the lawn in front of St. Paul's. It seemed funny to eat in a churchyard, but we were hungry all the same. And the graves didn't spoil our appetites one bit. So this next one is Queen Victoria's Journal in Letters of Queen Victoria, 3rd Series, 1886-1901, to and this was Murray in 1932. 22nd June, a never-to-be-forgotten day. No one ever, I believe, has met with such an ovation as was given to me, passing through those six miles of streets, including Constitution Hill. The crowds were very indescribable, and their enthusiasm truly marvellous and deeply touching. The cheering was quite deafening, and every face seemed to be filled with real joy. I was moved and gratified. I shouldn't have mocked. Victoria, but it's just sometimes the language when it's somewhat of high status. It, it has a certain... At a quarter past eleven, the others being seated in their carriages long before, and having preceded me a short distance, I started from the state entrance in an open state landau, drawn by eight creams. Dear Alex, that's Queen Alexandra to be, looked very pretty in lilac, and Lenchen, uh, that's Princess Helena, the wife of Prince Christian of Schleswig-Holstein, sitting opposite to me, I felt a good deal agitated, and had it been so all these days, for fear anything might have been forgotten or go wrong, Bertie and George C. rode on one side of the carriage, Arthur, who was in charge of the whole military arrangement, a little in the rear. My escort was formed from the second lifeguards, and the officers of the native Indian regiments, these latter riding immediately in front of my carriage, guard of honor of blue jackets, the guards, and the second Surrey regiment, 
queens who are mounted in the quadrangle and outside the palace. Am I being annoying? Ah, if you're seeing this, you can comment below. Before leaving, I touched an electric button by which I started a message that was telegraphed throughout the whole empire. It was the following. From my heart, I thank my beloved people. May God bless them. At this time, the sun burst out. Vicky was in the carriage nearest me, not being able to go in mine as her rank as empress prevented her sitting with her back to the horses, for I had to sit alone. So that would be Princess Royal Victoria, who was a Kaiserin of the Germans, so Empress of Germany. So she could not sit with her back to the horses, even for her mother. Her carriage was drawn by four blacks, richly caprizened in red. We went along Constitution Hill in Piccadilly and there were seats al right along the former where my own servants and personal attendants and members of the royal households, the Chelsea pensioners and the children of the Duke of York's and Greenwich schools had seats. The St. James Street was beautifully decorated. Trafalgar Square was very striking. The denseness of the crowds was immediate, but the order maintained wonderful. The streets of the Strand are now quite wide, but one misses Temple Bar. Here the Lord Mayor received me and presented the sword which I touched. As we neared St. Paul's, the procession was often stopped, and the crowds broke out into singing God Save the Queen. And if the Queen ever gets bored of hearing that, like, God save precious Queen, and she's busily going like, how about another song? In front of the cathedral, the scene was most impressive. All the colonial troops on foot were drawn up round the square. My carriage, surrounded by all the royal princes, was drawn up close to the steps where the clergy were assembled. The bishops in rich copes and their croziers, the Archbishop of Canterbury and the Bishop of London were holding a very fine one. A Te Deum was sung. So this would be where the little boy was. I stopped in front of the mansion house where the Lady Mayoress presented me with a beautiful silver basket full of orchids. Huzzah! Here I took leave of the Lord Mayor. Both he and the later mayoress were quite amused. I proceeded over London Bridge, where no spectators were allowed, only troops, and then along the Borough Road, where there is a very poor population, but just as enthusiastic and orderly as elsewhere. I love it when the poor people can keep their crap together and behave. The decorations there were very pretty. Cross the river again over Westminster Bridge. The heat during the last hour was very great. And poor Lord Howe, who was riding his gold stick, fainted and had a bad fall, but was not seriously hurt. He probably fell on a peasant. Cut home at a quarter to two, had a quiet luncheon with Vicky, Beatrice, and her three children. Troops continually passing by then rested and later had tea in the garden with luncheon. There was a large dinner in the supper room. I walked into the ballroom afterwards and sat down in front of the dais, feeling very tired, but tried to speak to most of the princes and princesses. I wore a dress of black silk trimmed with panels of grey satin veiled with black net and steel embroideries, not silver, and some black lace, my beloved diamond chain, given to me by my younger children round my neck. My bonnet was trimmed in creamy white flowers and white aigret and some black lace. 
Oh, how lovely. Thank you, Victoria, for sharing your thoughts with us on your glorious coronation day. It is lovely, a mighty queen. Nope, we don't. 